God bless you all. Uh, I hope you don't have any problems understanding my English. Can't help it. I'm a Mexican. And uh, I, I was born in Mexico and still in Mexico. Hopefully the Lord comes before I die. And he's, he's near. He's near. Uh, Pastor, thank you for having me. What a blessing. What a blessing. And uh, this is my first time here, so I don't know uh, where to start. Uh, you might not believe this, but I, I used to be a professional fighter. And so this is my first round. So I'm just going to jab around a little bit, okay? And, and, but uh, let's open our Bibles to... My name is Humberto Gomez. I have a beautiful... Matthew chapter 28. Humberto Gomez, I got a beautiful wife, uh, Imelda. And Lord willing, uh, this, this year we will be 46 anniversary, our 46th anniversary. I don't know how she put up with me that long, but uh, she has, and she's a trooper, she's a warrior, but she's a woman of faith, and, and, and God blessed me with four children and 11 grandchildren. I, I know I don't look that old, but I am, <laughs> and I have a large family, I'm going to give you a little bit of testimony later on. Uh, Matthew 28, you're familiar with this passage, for sure. And I was going to change it, but I say no, I'm going I'm to stick with it. And Matthew 28, and I do consider Shane Rice as one of my best friends also, amen, and his precious family, amen. Wow. I remember... Almost 20 years ago, he came to Matamoros to investigate me and see who I was and what I was doing, if I was real or not. And, and so, but uh, we had the blessing of having him with us. Matthew 28. I love this passage, and I know you're familiar, and I know you're pastor, co-pastor, and many Sunday school teachers have taught you on this or preached on this, but uh, I got something that God gave me, God put in my heart, and I trust it will be a blessing to you. Verse 16, then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worship him. And I like this, the next phrase, but some doubt it. I like it because, oh my, you'll see a little bit later on. What a God we have. Uh, I mean, we, sometimes we, we see ourselves and, and, and say, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good for nothing. I, I can do much. But look, even though some of them doubt it. Wow. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke unto them. You see, he does not uh, rebuke him. 
and beyond. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me, not only in heaven, but in earth. Wow. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, let me read one more passage, which is the same uh, in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, you're familiar. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Here we find the uh, the Lord Jesus. He just uh, recently risen from the dead. And he went and had a meeting with his disciples in a mountain of Galilee. The Bible doesn't specify which mountain. Could have been the mountain of transfiguration. Could have been another mountain. But Jesus went and met his disciples. And I say this. He had just risen from the dead. His wounds were still fresh. Probably still open. The sacrifice of Calvary was still fresh in his heart and in his mind. And bring his disciples to this mountain as if he was saying, Please. Don't let my sacrifice go to waste. Please, don't let it be in vain. Look what I've done. I love the whole world. Every single creature, every single nation needs to hear what happened in the cross of Calvary. And if I see the Lord standing on a mountain, you can see far north, far south, far east, far west. As far as America, as far as Mexico. And he said, go tell them that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I would like to just uh, bring a few things about the Great Commission. And, 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 and Brother Shane, uh, this is fresh to me, so it's the first time I'm going to share it. But uh, I hope uh, the Lord will give me liberty to do it. But I want you to see the participants of the Great Commission. 
the participants of the Great Commission. Goji. The word Tao will be a singular. The word Ji is plural, which means the mandate the commission was given not to a long individual, but to a group of believers. God wants the whole church to be involved in the great commission. It takes the collaboration of all God's people. Some can pray, some can give, some can go, and many of us can do all three. Pray, give, and go. But the whole church needs to be involved in the Great Commission. Can I say of the participants, first of all, they were imperfect men. Wow. People with limitations. I like it. This commission, as great as it was, was not given to, to superheroes, but to common men like you and I, people imperfect with limitations. What a savior we have. Our limitations are not ground for disqualification to be involved, to participate in the Great Commission. I believe the main qualification to get involved is to know Christ as your personal Savior yourself, as to have gratitude and compassion to others, as to know that He's still alive, that He's alive, that He risen from the dead. First of all, I say they were imperfect men. Not only they were imperfect, but they had no education. Wow. To give this such a commission to a people that had no university, no college titles, not doctor degrees. I say this, and, and, and you know it. They did not know all the languages of the world. <laughs> oh, Shane, you came to mind when I wrote this. <laughs> uh, but God told them to go to every single nation and preach the gospel to every single creature. They were not well educated. I don't know, but probably I wrote these things just for myself, not for you. They had no finances, thirdly. They had no money. How can they? How can they go? You know, in, in the Gospel of Luke, Peter told Jesus, we left everything behind to follow you. 
So they had nothing. Absolutely no money. And can I say for they were not great in number. Only 11. Wow. And yet, in the Gospel of Luke and in the Gospel of Mark, it says, So then after the Lord has spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And, and then verse 20 says, And they went forth and preached everywhere. They had no promises of success. The people will receive them. They were not offered anything. They just were given a command, and they obey. Well, I say all that to say this. Uh, let me give you a little bit of my testimony. It's, uh, I grew up in Mexico. Mom, father, my mom, they had seven children. And my father died when he was only 45 years of age. And I was only eight. So my father left behind seven orphan children, five boys, two girls. My mom was only in her 30s, but she did not get, want to get married again. So she had to raise seven children by herself. And what a woman. Uh, she worked doing men's jobs. She worked in the cotton fields, picking cotton, doing laundry for other people to raise her seven children. Uh, in Mexico, the children go uh, half a day in the morning to school, and another group goes in the afternoon. So when I was about 10, I began to work in the streets. My brother Bernardo was 12. Uh, we began to work in the streets uh, trying to help my mom uh, take care of my brothers, my two sisters. And uh, I, I, was, I was so blessed to I felt so, I don't, I, I don't even know what's the word, wonderful, to come in the evenings and have money in my pockets and pull and put on a table and give them to my mom so that I can help her. I was so proud of it, and it felt so good, divine. But unfortunately, working in the streets, I met older boys than me, and they introduced me into a life of sin. I began to drink, smoke, drink alcohol. And from there, I went down the gutter. At very early age. Unfortunately, 
All my brothers followed my steps, and they went. They became even worse than me. Then in the family was drugs, not only marijuana, but heroin, cocaine, crime, and literally crime. Uh, my youngest brother was sentenced to 30 years in prison, which is the maximum in Mexico. So there was a time that four of us were in prison at the same time, four of the boys. So you can imagine my mom, she suffered so much. I remember she suffered what we call in Mexico, epileptic attacks. She would fall to the ground and roll in the ground, foam coming out of her mouth. And believe me, there was no sickness. It was just the pain that we were inflicted on her. It was ugly. Last time I came out of prison, I was only 19, and I was already sick of this life. And I did not even want to go home, see my mom, but... Uh, I went home anyhow, and I remember I went in, then I came out of the, we had a small house, dirt floor, didn't have nothing. And, and I sat in a, in a bench that was falling apart like my life, and I was sitting there just crying, thinking how to escape from this life. Then I heard a knock in the gate. There were two men, a missionary from Denver, Colorado, and a Mexican preacher came to my house. And each one of them had a book in their hand, a book that I never seen in my life, a black book. It was the old Antigua Bible. And this man preached to me the gospel of Christ. And they told me, but then they knew my name, and they told me. Caballero is my last, last name. Uh, in Mexico, we use the na last name of the father and the last name of the mother. So I'm a Gomez, my father, and Caballero, my mom. But I was well known by the last name of my mom, Caballero which means gentleman, which I don't have anything of it. But anyhow, uh, and, 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 and this, this man said, Caballero, God loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you on the cross of Calvary. And he just began to preach the gospel of Christ to me. And, and, and uh, I was crying, and, and, and I couldn't believe that God would love such a man as me. And, and, and I did not believe at that moment they left, but the message stayed with me. And about three months later, there's so many things that took place that I don't have time, but uh, about three man, months later, I came to the small church there in the neighborhood. For the first time, I went to a Protestant church. Well, not Protestant, but it was a Baptist church, independent Baptist. And there was a group of people, small group, 25 probably. And I walked in and I heard the message of the cross again. And that night I gave my heart to Christ. 
and the Lord changed my life. The Lord changed my life. I ran home, and I remember I went to my mom, and right on the third floor, I kneel in front of her, and I cry and say, Mom, I know I've been a bad boy. I know it caused you a lot of pain. But, Mommy, the Lord came into my heart and changed my life. Mommy, I promise you, you got a new boy. You don't have to worry about me no more. And my mom was looking at me surprised. She did not know what I was saying. She did not know anything about the gospel either. But not overnight, but eventually, one by one, all my brothers, my two sisters, and my mom came to Christ. And they all got gloriously saved. Then God called me to preach, and that's what I've been doing for 49 years now. I remember I had to throw in this one because talking about imperfect and with limitations. Uh, I remember uh, something happened to me that uh, when, when I was newly saved and I felt that God called me to preach, I, I wanted the pastor to give me a chance to, to preach to the young people uh, it was about 10 of them, and, and, but he won't let me. I was coming from the streets, from the hippie background, and, 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 and he had two other boys that were well-educated and all that, you know, right? and, and, and well-spoken, and so he will have them preach, and, and I'm sitting there crying because I wanted to preach. And, and, and one day, oh, I was crying. One of the boys was preaching, young man was preaching, and, and I was crying, uh, kind of getting bitter about it. And so I walked outside the church, went back uh, in the bushes, and I kneeled down, and I remember I cried, and I say, Lord, I know I don't have any education. I, I know I don't have any talents. I know I don't. I cannot sing. I cannot play music. But one thing I have, I have my heart, and I'm going to give it to you. And whatever you want to do of it, it'll be fine with me. I don't have to be a preacher. You don't want me to be a preacher. I'm just going to give you my heart. I want to stay in church, and I want to stay in with sweet spirit, and I'm going to be a blessing, and I'm going to help the ones that preach, and that's what I did. And the rest is history. God began to open the doors for me. And here I am, 49 years later, still preaching, standing in this pulpit, which I do not deserve. Talking about men of limitations, imperfect men, the participants of the Great Commission. The missionary that, that came to Mexico... David Chesler. He was from Denver, Colorado. This missionary, Pastor Jacobs, this man had lots of limitations. He, he tried to go and raise support, but his appearance was not that good. He had a speech impediment, and he was not appealing. So he had a hard, hard time 
operation support. He had heart problems. I don't want to go into more, but he had a lot of limitations. But one thing he had, he had a passion for souls. And even though his support was not even 20%, he went to Mexico. That's how I got saved. That's how I got saved. Something happened in the church. I went to Bible school, and, 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 and the church went down to nothing. The missionary went back to Colorado. And he spent three years probably for Mexico. He went to, please listen to this because it's beautiful, it's awesome. Uh, this, this man, when he went back, he was disappointed, frustrated, and he thought he was a failure. Years went by, and I heard that he was in the hospital dying. And I told my wife, let's get in our car, let's go to Denver, let's go see him. And we drove all the way to Denver just to see him. And I remember when I got to the hospital and they let me in. And I told them, I say, well, David, you remember me? He looked at me. He couldn't recognize me. He was so sick. And then I don't remember the, I'm from Matamoros, remember Humberto, the hippie guy, had a long hair, and, and I used to have hair, believe me. Uh, and, and, and he began to cry, he said, no, that's you, that's you. And I said, yes, and let me tell you what happened. And then I told him, you know, all my brothers came to Christ, my sisters came to Christ, my mom came to Christ. Now we got a church there in Matamoros running over 500 people. And that man began to cry and cry and cry. And he thought he was going to go to glory as a failure. But he found out just one man, he led one man to the Lord. And it's all it took. And God blessed that man. This is not in the book here, but in the message. But can I give you this one too? I remember uh, a few hundred years back when England sent uh, missionaries to Africa. They were surprised to find pockets of Christians in, in Ethiopia. They thought they were new. And they were surprised to find out that those people, those Christians, will trace their salvation all the way back to the Ethiopian eunuch. Just one man in the desert. I say, God can use limited people. People, imperfect people like you and I, he can use us now by the grace of God. You see, when, when I came to America, I love America so much. Uh, Brother Shane, uh, I still got a few minutes, right? 
I would like to have maybe a question and answers if, if you want me to, if you have a question about our ministry, about Mexico, and, and I'll be very happy to. I told you, I told you and put it in silence. I did put it in silence, believe me. And Shane called me and, ah, that's my daughter. By the way, the bad news, uh, my pastor for 43 years, Dr. Greg Stepp, just went to be with the Lord last night. And that's why they called me. And I, I came to Ohio to be with you, but also in my heart, I had in mind to see my pastor one more time because he was dying of cancer for many days. But he, I didn't get to see him. But I'll see him again. And, and so, what I was saying, when I came to, to, Amer- to, to Bible school in America, I love America so much that I stay here. And I, I, had, a, I had a good job. I was preaching. And we started a church in Dallas. My, past, my brother Oscar is the pastor of the church right now. It's a big church. It runs over 500 people every Sunday. And that church has given more missionaries than any church I know of. I would say in the field right now, that's at least 60, maybe 70 missionaries that came out of that church. Mexican church. Giving church. Easily gives around. Oh, way over a quarter of a million dollars every year to missions. And there's a bunch of Mexicans, most of them illegals. But they love the Lord. Anyhow, when I was in Dallas, I was doing fine. I had my, my house, my car, and my wife, two children. My boy was only two, and my daughter, Angie, was only three months old. And God called me back to Mexico to be a missionary to my own people. So I went back. We started our first church, and from there we started the second one. And now, by the grace of God, we got uh, together with my family, my brothers, my nephews, my son. Uh, they are preachers. Uh, we, we're close to 100 churches now in Mexico. Mexico has 30 states. So we cover 20 states in Mexico. Uh, we started churches amongst the fishing, with the fishing villages, amongst the fishermen. And then 33 years ago, God opened the door for me to go to the Aztec Indians, to the mountains of Mexico. And, and I did not know this, but uh, in Mexico, there's over 30 million Aztec Indians. 30 million. I thought there was just a few handful of Indians. There's over 30 million. I went to these mountains, and, and when I walked in those mountains, I saw the suffering, the pain, nothing but idle worship, alcohol, sickness, uh, how do you say it, abandonment, nobody cares. And, and God laid in my heart to start a work there. It was not easy because the religious people turned against us real bad, but God opened the doors, and now by the grace of God, we got about 20 churches amongst the Aztec Indians. Just our main church easily runs over 500 every single Sunday in the mountains of Mexico. Then God has opened the door for us to, to travel to practically every single Spanish-speaking country. 
we go help missionaries, do conferences, help on the new churches, take Bibles, literature, and from Spain to Argentina, Puerto Rico, Cuba. We've been through all these Spanish-speaking churches preaching the gospel of Christ. That's pretty much our ministry. That's my testimony. And I can go on with this. But I would like to stop right now. I hope you are not bored yet. And if you have any, any questions about our ministry, about our life, uh, it'll be good if you want to ask something about Mexico. Anybody has a question? Oh. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, the the first one was my own brother, my brother Jose. He was a member of the first cartel in Matamoros, and uh, they, they used to be the, the the Gulf of Mexico cartel. And I don't want to mention his name right now. But uh, he, the, the, this man uh, led the, the, the Gulf Cartel in Mexico, and my brother Jose was a member of him. And, and uh, he got saved. And, of course, my brother Jose has a passion for these drug cartels. We've been stopped on the road so many times with them, and we witnessed them, and they respect us. They respect us. They know who we are. And, 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 and the... the, the we preached, and, and even some of them, one time we got stopped, but, and, 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 and there was about five guys with machine guns and all. And look at us, what you all doing? Well, we preaching the gospel of Christ. Say, can you preach to us? And absolutely, we began to preach Romans 1, 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And, on, and, and we preached to him. And I had uh, at least one pastor in Matamoros that used to be a member of the Gulf Cartel that got saved. And, and, and this is something uh, incredible that happened. He was very uh, blessed. Uh, people would say lucky. Uh, they, when, when he refused to work with them because he got saved, they came to his house to pick him up. That means to take him away, kill him. And, and they came in a pickup, and, and they asked him to jump on the bed of the pickup. But they told him, Go say bye to your family, to your wife and children. And so he walks in, into his, his house and tells his wife and children, I'm sorry, I'm gone. They're coming for me. And, 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 and his wife said, please don't get out, don't, get, don't, don't go back. And he said, if I don't, they're going to kill you too and my children. So I had to go. So he comes back, jumps in the bed, at the pickup. And as they were driving off, my son, Humberto Jr., was coming, and he recognized him. One of the boys, one of the leaders of the cartel, when he was a young teenager, used to come to our Sunday school. So sad that he turned bad. And, 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 and when, when, when Humberto saw him, 
he stopped him, and they recognized Humberto because my son, Humberto Jr., was in the same Sunday school room with him. And, and, and he told him, hey, he got saved. Don't do anything to him. And, 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 and this boy, Chendo, was his name, looked at Humberto and began to cry, and, and they let him go. And he pastors one of the churches there in Matamoros. So, yes, we witnessed to a lot of them. Yes. Yes. Anybody has any other question? Yes, sir? Not at all. Not whatsoever. Not at all. Uh, the past governments, they tried to. But uh, the government right now, well, they try with no success. They are not going to stop us. Uh, they are not going to stop us. Uh, the, the, the one that is, uh, even though I don't like him that much, is kind of socialist. But he says, he says this. He says, I'm not a dictator. I believe in liberty. It's a matter of fact, he had just the COVID, you know, uh, two months ago, and he came out of it. And when he came out to give a press conference, they asked him, I said, are you going to wear a mask now? He said, no. Are you going to enforce it? No. I'll leave it up to the people. They make the decision. If they want to, they feel uh, they want to do it. More power to them, but people have liberty. And so no, they, they, they don't enforce their laws on us. Uh, the only thing, the only people that try to enforce the laws on us is the, the religious people. You wanted to mention by name the Catholic Church. When, when uh, we've been persecuted in the mountains, one time, when when they kicked some of our villagers and they even killed three. When they when when they persecuted them, kicked them out of their village, uh, I went to the government and and we had a meeting, and and the the men I don't know how do you call them, but it's like a bishop that is in charge of all the, the, the area of, of the Catholic churches. We had a meeting, and, and, and this, this man said this, pointed his finger to me, and he said, this man comes to take advantage of the ignorance of my Indians. Saying to me. And I look at him and I say, sir, if I were you, I wouldn't be embarrassed to admit that. You had these Indians for 400 years, almost 500 years, and they're still ignorant? You kept them that way? Give them to me. We'll pull them out of it. We'll pull them out of their ignorance. And, and so we fight, but mainly with the religious people more than with the government. As a matter of fact, after that, when we went back, I took the Indians back to the mountains and... and, and you know some of the Indians, right? You met them in Matamoros, don't remember? Okay. And, well, Brother Santos was the pastor. He was an Indian. He was the one that opened the door for me to go back to the Indians. And, and when, when I took them back, I said, let's go back. And they're not going to do anything to us. Right behind us, there was a, how do you call it, a, a group of army trucks with soldiers coming behind us. And they came to settle the issue with these Indians. They kicked our people. 
And when I walk in, and right behind, there come these big trucks. You know what the Indians thought? That I was a man of influence? That I had connections upstairs? And they quit messing with me. And I have connection, but it's a little bit higher than that. Amen? A little bit higher than that. And, and so, and that's what it is. Thank you. I don't know if I answered your question. But yeah, no, the government doesn't, doesn't interfere. Yes, sir. The best, oh, thank you. It's a great question, and, and many people ask me. I wish I had time, Pastor. I wish I had time. Uh, the best way is explain what it is salvation by grace, period. Uh, I was flying to Paraguay. Oh, to Peru. The first time I went to Peru. There was a man here from Dayton, Ohio. He bought my tickets. I didn't I know. He paid for them. He told me he wanted me to come. And so I went. I don't know if you heard this illustration, but uh, uh, I was in, 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 in my plane to Peru, and sitting beside me was an engineer from France, and, and a Frenchman. And, 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 and they, you know, they brought a bottle of wine, you know, the plane, and and they offered me one, and, and I say, no, thanks. And then he looked at me kind of strange and say, how come you don't drink? And I say, well, I, I don't. And I, I give my testimony how the Lord saved me from alcoholism. And uh, I was an alcoholic of early age. And, and then, and then say, now I'm a missionary. I'm a Baptist missionary. I'm going to Peru to preach. And, 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 and he asked this question. He said, can you tell me what's the greatest difference between your religion and my religion? And I say to him, thank you for asking. And I say, the greatest difference is that you believe that you can earn your way to heaven. And we believe none of us can earn our way to heaven. And then I explained to him, I said, look, when I went to the airport, I wanted to pay for my tickets. And the lady there behind the counter told me, you don't have to pay. It's already paid for. And, and I look at him. See, even if I wanted to pay, someone else paid for it. So all I had to do is get in the plane, take off. I say, I didn't, have, I didn't have to help the plane. I didn't push it to, I mean, and, and, and then jump in it. I, I didn't. I just got in the plane and go. And so uh, I say this. The, the, the best thing to do is explain salvation by grace and make sure you tell them you are not better than that. You're just a sinner. Uh, because when we come across like a we know more, uh, which they do, and, and they, they come across that way, and, and, and I say, the best way is just to let them know that we're just sinners saved by grace. And we're not better than them. And God offers them salvation by grace and grace alone. And, and that's all I can say. Uh, they, they, I was a Catholic myself. And what I heard worked for me. And I know it works for others. As long as, long as like I say, you don't come as a superior to them. A humble way, let them know that you're just as sinners they are. You don't deserve it either. But God offers salvation by grace and grace alone. And it really makes no sense. 
uh, I remember my older sister, she was a nun. Not my oldest, my second oldest. And, and, and when I witnessed her, I say, she get upset and say, don't tell me that. When I tell her, I don't want you to go to hell. And, and she would say this, you're the one that deserves to go to hell. You've done this, 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 this. And I remember I would say to my sister, you're absolutely 100% right. I'm the one that deserves to go to hell. But Jesus paid on the cross of Calvary for my sins. And you know why you're going to go to hell? I tell my sister. Because you believe that Christ died in vain. That he didn't have to go to the cross. That you are good enough to earn heaven. So eventually she got saved too. So I know it's difficult, but, uh, but yeah, the gospel works. It's the power of God into salvation to every creature. Okay, I guess my time is up. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Gomez. Certainly appreciate that. Let's stand to our feet. We'll just have a short hymn of invitation. Maybe something was said and your heart's been stirred. And uh, and I always want to give an opportunity for, for you to respond to a message and to uh, teaching and preaching. So as they have a, just a short hymn of, or let me, let me say a word of prayer and then we'll have just a short hymn of invitation. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity, the liberty really we have as Christians to gather in your house, Father. Thank you for uh, the, the wonderful message, Father, and testimony Brother Humberto Gomez gave. And God, thank you for um, just spurring our hearts. God, what a, what a challenge we have before us, God, to reach the world with the gospel. God, to be used of you. God, I pray that you would speak to each and every heart. God, I pray that you would just... Uh, Help us to be challenged. Help us to be uh, renewed and refreshed, Father, with a vision to reach the world with the gospel. We'll thank you for that. God, if there's one here that does not know you as their own personal Savior, God, I pray that they'd put their faith and trust in you today. And God, not trust in their own works, not trust in their own goodness or merit or anything that they can do, but God, that they would put their faith and trust 100% in you and the completed work that you've done on Calvary. Well, thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we just have a short hymn of invitation, God spoke into your heart the opportunity to pray. What a challenge, what a blessing to be used of God. 100% submitted to God. Do whatever God would have you to do.